Welcome to this edition of the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. On today's episode, we talk with Pastor Parabolic, Boyan Jancic. Boyan is the pastor of City Light Church in New York City. In this really interesting episode, we talk about Boyan's successful speculative attack with the use of the church's treasury. We talk about the process to get this approved with his board and the amazing outcome from being a bold leader. He took $800,000 and multiplied it many times. We discuss the problems with Bitcoin adoption among believers and the church and how Bitcoin adoption can help the church with an end time harvest. We also discuss using Bitcoin for church social programs and missions. This is a must listen to episode with a thoughtful and bold church leader. I know you will enjoy this episode. Now, a little bit about our sponsors. Jeter Melder LLP is more than a law firm. It is a legal team. Justin and Michael have over 30 years of experience working with different clients on different legal issues from different sides of the docket in areas such as business disputes, constitutional rights, employment agreements, employment discrimination, local counsel, and pay issues. Jeter Melder have advocated in federal and state courts in Arkansas, California, Illinois, New Mexico, and Texas. With a unique blend of clients from doctors, fellow attorneys, tradesmen, hourly workers, and the unemployed to small businesses and Fortune 500 companies, they all have one thing in common. They believe in Jeter Melder and Jeter Melder believes in them. Give them a call at 214-699-4758 or visit them at JeterMelder.com. That's J-E-T-E-R-M-E-L-D-E-R.com. Hey, one more thing before we jump into this episode with Pastor Boyan. It's because of this episode and other conversations that I spent several weeks putting together a practical study guide called Bitcoin for Churches. It's a study guide to present basic principles of Bitcoin and its application within the kingdom of God. I will be doing a live stream through City Light Church on October 8th from 6 to 8 p.m. Please visit Boyan's City Light Church New York website to register for this free event. I can't wait to present this. Thank you so much. And now let's hear from Pastor Boyan. Hey, Boyan, uh, thanks so much for joining me today on this show. We were talking a little bit before we started recording, and I'm I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, for our audience, uh, just describe who you are and what you do, and uh, we'll go from there. Thanks so much, Patrick. I'm Boyan Jancic. I'm lead pastor of City Light Church. We're a church in New York City with locations in Manhattan and Queens and Brooklyn. And that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years, really, essentially all of my life. That's fantastic. Uh, Boyan, uh, kind of describe your personal story, where you came from and and uh, whatnot. So I, uh, I immigrated here in the early 80s. I was just five years old with my parents. We immigrated here from former Yugoslavia. And uh, do you want me to just talk a little bit about how that influenced my absolutely yeah gravitating yeah. towards Bitcoin? I feel like that was a big setup coming from former Yugoslavia, which is now for some people who don't know, which is now when you hear the the, the countries of Serbia, Bosnia, Croatia, mm-hmm. Macedonia, Slovenia, that was all a part of one larger country called Yugoslavia. In the 80s, it, it started off experiencing inflation to great inflation to eventually hyperinflation. In fact, I wish I'd, I'd just 
in my bedroom, I have the 500 billion dinar notes. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I have them physically. I've kept them all these years. I remember as a kid going back to visit my grandparents and, you know, as a kid, you go into the store and you get a chocolate bar and you, you realize, wow, I need four times as many dinars for this chocolate bar as just last summer. And then the next year you come and it's seven times and then it's 25 times until eventually in 1991, you needed a suitcase of money to get a loaf of bread, similar to what we hear is going on in Venezuela right now. So I had that uh, experience as a child, as a kid, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old of witnessing that, witnessing how devastating that is to a country, to a people, to the psyche of a people. When you get, literally you get paid and you rush right to the piazza, to the market, the farmer's market to get the food because the very next day the prices would all be changed. And so I was able to to learn about that as a young age. And I felt, I, I personally feel that that the Lord himself let, let me have those experience and ingrain them into my psyche so that that I would have, you know, one thing I didn't mention before was I was a gold book mm. in, uh, <laughs> all before. Well, that, really, yeah, that makes, before, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes that sense. That was the only thing I knew. Hey, how do we hedge against inflation? Well, it's gold until I discovered Bitcoin. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, we, we actually support a couple and have for almost 20 years in Macedonia. They, they work in Macedonia, Scopi. Um, the, uh, so, Boyan, when, when were you first introduced to Bitcoin? And it sounds like you probably had a pretty short orange pill experience. I think most people who have not experienced inflation, it kind of takes them a while. But, you know, when were you first introduced to, to Bitcoin and, and who introduced you to it? Yeah, I, re- I remember, and I think the most of us heard about Bitcoin uh, in December of 17. Uh, but it was not enough to to get me involved. That was when text messages and phone calls were flying all around when my the doorman across the street was asking me about Bitcoin. And who mm-hmm. knows about Bitcoin? What is this mm-hmm. thing that everybody's talking about? But that wasn't enough. It was actually May 3rd. I remember this day very clearly. It was my associate pastor who texted me. And uh, he has a background on Wall Street, a background in finance. And he texted me. Uh, he just said, would you like I'm going to buy one Bitcoin. Bitcoin was exactly fifty three hundred dollars that morning. And he said, would you like to buy a Bitcoin? I'm going to get one for goofs. And when and you say goofs for basically just because. Just yeah. Hey, OK. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what this thing does. Let's sure. see what all the hype is about. And he had actually just then uh, Facebook was talking about Libra. Remember those days? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so he was he was reading The Wall Street Journal, reading the article about Facebook and Libra and whatever. I never really talked to him much about what that thought process was. But something about that intrigued him and turned him towards Bitcoin. He texted me. I immediately, of course, texted my wife, hey, let me say this. We had uh, $9,000 to our name. Mm. And so uh, now we live debt free and we're blessed and the Lord is more than taking care of us. But it's not like we feel it from the top. You know, we had $9,000. That was what we had. I immediately texted my wife and said, hey, would you like to? I've never seen her make a financial decision so fast. It was just yes. So we really knew nothing about Bitcoin other than that there was this promise of just financial gain. Sure. And so we bought a whole Bitcoin that morning and then very quickly another one just weeks after that as we began to explore and study it and descend down that proverbial rabbit hole. And we realized, wow, this 
this really seems like a gift from heaven. Yeah, for sure. What so describe that rabbit hole experience. The it it sounds like the technological aspects to Bitcoin wasn't really a hindrance, but uh, kind of describe what you learned when you were going down the rabbit hole. One of the first things which I wasn't aware of in the beginning was why uh, why Bitcoin was such a great bet against inflation. That the limited supply, the hard cap of twenty one million. Um, as a as a as a gold bug before I was I was aware of quantitative easing. I was aware of the direction our country and the world was going in, and always felt an unrest about that, and always felt to to be wise and protect against that. But never felt even with gold, it was. It, I will say this: it always did feel just less than perfect. Mm. Um, the way we, I had to store it from mm-hmm. <laughs> from thinking about, and our church does own gold too from back in those days. From thinking about how to, um, how would you ever transport it, and all these other questions. Bitcoin just answered a lot of those questions. I mean, how do you put a value on money that is uncensorable, unconfiscatable, sure, transportable? Sure. <laughs> you know, I've just started reading. Uh, Seferina Moose's book, The Fiat Standard, I got a pre, pre-copy, a pre-order, and he just mentions that unbeknownst to him or or contrary to what he had thought before, that the creation of the fiat monetary system was not a conspiracy. It just happened to be something of convenience, but it did solve that problem with gold. You couldn't you couldn't transport gold across space. And so fiat allowed that, um, but it compromised on storing the value across time, which which Bitcoin is obviously very good at doing. Uh, so kind of kind of describe, you know, as you think about Bitcoin and as a pastor, a, a successful pastor for a long time. And, you know, you shepherd and, and are responsible, spiritually responsible for a lot of people. I mean, do you think that what role do you think Bitcoin has in the church? That's number one. And number two, I guess, spiritually, do you think that. Do you think Bitcoin's a gift from God? I mean, I, I guess I, I don't know how else to ask that question. I've asked it many times. Um, yeah. So answer that maybe. Yeah. So as I, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I love how you just asked that. And I got a few goosebumps as you asked that, because when I started to descend down the rabbit hole and learn more and more about it, uh, I mean, you see it all over Bitcoin Twitter. You see it from unbelievers who sometimes because they don't have a faith in God and don't have a relationship with God. Bitcoin is so their only hope. I've even seen people replace the name of the Lord with Bitcoin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really incredible. Uh, I, right now, I absolutely believe that it has divine fingerprints on it. However form or shape that took, whether there was a literal person or group called Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, somehow, the Lord moved on him, you know, the same way possibly he moved on prophets of old or speaking through Balaam's donkey. He can sure. use anyone, yeah. he can choose yeah. whomever he wishes. And so, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was just, uh, I was just reminiscing with a friend about the, the gospel of grace and understanding grace. You know, grace is not an, uh, it's not an easy subject to get. It's not an easy topic to get Christianity. If you really break it down, is a very peculiar and strange upside down religion. That's like right. Here's the God who says, I love you. And I love you no matter what you do. Like you could 
believe in me and commit heinous acts tonight and I will still accept you and love you and forgive you. And then rather than think, oh, I'm going to abuse this thing, that love and that depth of forgiveness actually sets you free to live a life of holiness. I mean, that is that is not easy to understand. It's yeah. not easy to comprehend. Yeah. It's an, an onion that you peel that has many, many layers. And that's how Bitcoin is. It's the only thing that I found that can come anywhere near the depth of the gospel of grace, the multi-layered nature of it. So that's my long way of answering your question. No, I think that's great. And and uh, you can preach all you want to. It's it's fantastic. I, you know, I, I wrote an article called The Great Bitcoin Reset, and I found and I, I find the most interesting discussions on Twitter. If you just read Twitter, you, you have plenty of material to write about. And, and um, I found exactly that, that there are a lot of people that were replacing Jesus with Bitcoin, which is not 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 correct. It, but there, there must be something there for them to make that substitution. And so and and in fact, uh, the first person I had on the podcast, uh, Tomer Strolight, was a militant atheist just and he came across my writings and he I, I'm discipling him now. We're, we're working through the book of John. And so um, that Bitcoin, is incredible. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I did not know that. That is. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, because there are foundational truths within Bitcoin that you can't escape. And as Christians, I think that for many years, well, for all of our lives, at least for your life and my life, you know, we're made fun of because we believe in absolute truth. But then Bitcoin comes along and you have to admit, okay, well, it's absolutely true. There's 21 million and there are so many fundamental truths of Bitcoin that you have to acknowledge. And so as an atheist or a non-believer, if you can believe in absolute truth and something like that, it doesn't take much to make that leap to Christianity. So I, I think that's that's fantastic. Um well, yeah, what what do you think? What do you think? Okay, so if you think it does have the fingerprints of God on it, what what do you think its role is? I, you know, not claiming you're a prophet or anything like that, but I mean, what role do you think Bitcoin plays or will play in the church? I, I think uh, the potential of it is to see a massive funding of the end time harvest. Mm. I really do. I believe that uh, the potential is there. Uh, look, when I hear money. I think of one thing. I think people, I think souls, I think the ability to relieve more, more ability in the natural realm to relieve suffering. So, but but explain that though. I mean, explain this harvest of the end time. So uh, why would, why would money, whether it's Bitcoin or not, explain that concept? Sure. And this is what I think a lot of people who, uh, who aren't in the church have a hard time getting. This is a constant, uh, a constant wrestling with this idea that, hey, uh, it's okay to love the Lord and talk about money. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. Some people just uh, to them, they, 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 those two concepts seem diametrically opposed for whatever reason, the way they were brought up or just for so many people, when they think of clergy or pastor, they think of somebody in a potato sack and sandals, you know, up in the mountains living in a cave. But uh, just for the record, Jesus, he spoke about heaven twice as much as he did about Uh, He spoke about hell, excuse me, twice Mm -hmm. as much as he did about heaven, but he spoke about lands, tithes, offerings, gold, talents, money, more than heaven and hell combined. So, um, in fact, he he said, uh, if you're if you can't be trusted with unrighteous mammon, 
who will entrust you? How will you be trusted with true riches? So Jesus is drawing this comparison between true riches, heaven, heaven's power, the anointing of God, uh, with money. Why? Because money is the anointing of this world. It's something that people have to come to terms with. In Proverbs, it says money answers everything. As long as we're on this side of heaven, we're going to need money. And with Bitcoin, we're actually exposed to good money. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to write honest money. Yeah, and so how, how, how would that, so how would that affect the church's uh, belief and a believer's belief system and then segue that into the, the you know, the in um, time harvest? Just, I mean, it's just, I, I guess I simply said it to me, money means more souls, more people. It's just that whatever you do in this world, whether it's even this laptop that I'm doing this Zoom call and this podcast with you on, it required money. In fact, this laptop is the church's laptop. It was purchased with church money and buildings cost money. Lights cost money. Air conditioning costs money. Mm -hmm. Go out there and bring the message costs money to relieve suffering costs money. And so money is uh, is absolutely necessary to to preach the good news, to bring people the love and hope of Jesus. So ultimately, do you think that the the fiat money will no longer be available uh, for that purpose? And that's the that's what Bitcoin will accomplish in the end time harvest, um, because I, the way I look at it is similar to Joseph with uh, Pharaoh. You know, we we should accumulate in times of plenty so that we have have what we need in times of, of famine. And for me, that's what Bitcoin is. Um, for whatever reason, if we're cut off from financial services or whatever, uh, Bitcoin will will uh, provide that that need for us. Absolutely. I've thought of that, that uh, seven years of famine and seven years of plenty example so many times. Interesting. We, have a, we have a wonderful opportunity to prepare and to get ready for what's to come. And, you know, when I when I went down the Bitcoin rabbit hole as as so this was in May of 19 going off into late 19. You know, you start to realize, well, fiat money has an expiration date. As you go down the rabbit hole, you have to you, you come to that conclusion. This cannot go on forever. And then you're introduced to, to at first this ridiculous concept of Bitcoin potentially becoming the global reserve. Mm -hmm. But if you take that to its logical conclusion, you realize these things cannot happen without violence, without a violent shift, without a tearing, without the world <coughs> being turned upside down. You know, when people were tweeting about it towards the end of 19, they were just tweets. They were just thoughts. They were just ideas. And then, of course, 2020 hit and all the uncertainty of 2020. And that's when the rubber, I feel, really met the road when you realize holy cow, uh, this just got real. <clears throat> and this violence is happening. There is a, a massive shift. You think that, do you, do you think we're in God's judgment right now? <clears throat> I just, I just find it hard to, it seems like so many people and, and people, governments, institutions are just not on the side of truth. It, it just, it, it's astounding. I, I can't make sense of it. Right. Yes. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I do. The only reason I paused and hesitated uh, 
in answering that question is, I mean, I, I absolutely do. I believe that there, there is a, a judgment on, uh, on evil, but at the same time that the believer whose heart is turned towards the Lord will be supernaturally protected in the midst of judgment. Sure. Sure. So, yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, the message of hope. And I, I think also the, 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 the cautionary thing for us as, as well as, you know, we have to be careful that we can't, we're not prophets because if we're not right, then the consequences are, are bad. So, yeah. um, but, but just in thinking about it. Um, so, uh, Boyan, kind of tell me um, how you interact with Bitcoin as it relates to the body, to your church. And let's kind of walk down that path a little bit. A lot of us uh, Bitcoiners, I think we, uh, we really got vindicated. A lot of us late, late uh, you know, the, the guys like me who came in 19, um, I mean, we were we were putting every spare penny we had in it every single week, dollar cost averaging. When we when we realized what it was, that's what my wife and I were doing. And then we, of course, felt very vindicated when the bull market began. And all of a sudden, I mean, <laughs> what, how does that saying go? First, little by little, the suddenly, and then all yeah, at once. Yeah, and, we yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, our, our lives changed, just absolutely transformed, financially speaking. But also in other ways, too. And maybe we'll get to that later. Just in the, in, in the, in the peace and the low time preference and in the ability to be content and happy without the need to spend so much moving from a consumer mindset. But so I began telling everybody in the church that would listen about it. And um, when you say when, when they would listen, what, I mean, you're their pastor, why wouldn't they listen to you? So what, what was the hesitancy in, you know, just freely so talking about. What is the hesitancy? I think it's the same. And here's another parallel between the gospel and Bitcoin. I absolutely believe this, that the first door to comprehend both the gospel and Bitcoin that you have to walk through is humility. Mm. You have to have this humility. And the problem with Bitcoin is, is that it makes everybody feel stupid. It makes the mm. smartest of us initially because it's so deep and so broad and so complex. Even, uh, for example, my father, who has a 30 plus year career on Wall Street, does just does not get it, does not get it at all um, because it requires a humility and it requires time. It, potentially, right, requires hundreds of hours to get it. So I think that that was a uh, that was a barrier to entry, that it requires humility and that desire and time on uh, on behalf of the person, something that I can't give them. Right. I can tell them how much it's meant to me, but for the person hearing it, uh, yeah, they would have to really have a strong desire. I mean, do you think do you think uh, a podcast like this would help with something like that? Or I mean, what what? Because I, I, I feel strongly about it. And, and I feel like this is a technology that Christians should try to spend time to understand, because I do, like you, fundamentally believe that it would it realigns your time preference and. I feel like we've been trapped as believers, as, as Christendom, we've been trapped in a high time preference world of fiat, not because we chose, but because that's that's the culture um, that we live in. So as far as getting to that next step with the congregation, what what would it take? You know, <clears throat> I would love it if you could tell me. <laughs> this is i'll be very honest with you it has been a a point of frustration for me hmm. this is something that 
you know, look, there, there's people that I love. It's, it's, and again, here's another parallel to preaching the gospel. There's people that I love that I know need this truth that I have. And, and I have done everything short of taking them and shaking them until their teeth rattled and trying to tell them to get in this now. You need to get in this right now, not tomorrow, right now. And, and similar to when I'm preaching the gospel, there's some people that immediately the lights go on. Yeah. They see it for what, and other people, it, it's, it's like the scales are still over their eyes. Yeah. They just don't get it. No matter which way I try to bring the truth to them. Um, so I'm sorry. I didn't mean to give you a cop-out answer, but no, I am, no, I you're giving me reality. Totally frustrated. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that that's interesting. I, you know, I, just speaking of parallels in the gospel, you know, you think about when Jesus and John, uh, is preaching the gospel, you know, you have to come to him to believe uh, Jesus. I don't think there's one instance of Jesus forcing the gospel or saying to some random person, hey, accept the gospel. They have to come to him and believe. And I think, you know, I don't like the the snarkiness of Bitcoin Twitter where they say have fun staying poor. But, you know, there is a point at which you have to you have to come to Bitcoin. You know, you have to yeah. you have to make that jump um, kind of a. Explain the role you think Bitcoin might have in funding, you know, social programs within the church or building funds or missions. I mean, kind of give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Bitcoin can absolutely transform a church's finances and their financial standing and could could potentially solve a lot of money problems. I mean, the reality is, is that with churches, money is in the top three of any problems that they face at any time. And so, uh, you know, with our church, uh, probably exactly a year ago, it was early August of 2020, and I've been pushing for uh, for months already to uh, to put Bitcoin on our balance sheet. And so what what we did was put our entire building fund in this, thank God for a very wise and understanding board and uh, <laughs> a board that trusted me that, that eventually approved this, but we put the entirety of our building fund. Eight, eight, and, it, eight, and it's 800,000. And, and I say that's not a lot, but I know for a lot of churches, that is a lot in New York city. It's just not a lot. If you're going to have a facility that you own in New York city, I mean, some of the biggest churches here, they still don't own their own facility. They're in, they're in schools, auditoriums, movie yeah. theaters, they're renting because you want to own your own facility in New York city. You're talking anywhere from 20, 30 to $40 million. And so we put our $800,000 in. Uh, I remember it was a couple, it was just a couple of weeks before Michael Saylor made his announcement, which made me kind of feel really great about myself. <laughs> no, that was fantastic. Um, it so change the face of our uh, of our church from a financial standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, and so I'm I'm sure you're sitting on several million dollars now. I mean, what what uh as a pastor, I mean cuz invariably I've been in many churches uh my life and invariably there comes the the push for raising money for for building. And that can be a very difficult thing to do and a very divisive thing and you know, I think that potentially this could save the church from, you know, division um, just through the the work that Bitcoin will do for you over the next three to four years or whatnot. So, yes. uh, yeah. And is your what does your board think of you now? 
Yeah, I, I think they're 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 pretty happy. They're, that's, they're pretty yes. <laughs> that's fantastic. I mean, what uh, what role and and probably the the selling the Bitcoin for for the church in the in the future would be less of a an issue than it would be for an individual. But w- would you foresee? keeping the Bitcoin and borrowing against the Bitcoin as an asset. You know, there's a lot of talk of, you know, keeping your Bitcoin and just borrowing against it. Do you think that would be something in the future? I hope so. That's uh, okay. so we haven't crossed that line yet, obviously, but that's definitely the plan. If that is allowable and feasible and we know things are still up in the air and certain things, but we would definitely like to keep the Bitcoin, borrow against it and keep it for as long as possible. That's fantastic. Do and do you guys plan to expand the Bitcoin offering, i.e., um, do you want to hold Bitcoin for other programs or projects? So here's here's what we have. Here's what the, the board came up with. Um, essentially, every dollar above our six month budget, you know, the, the, the kind of the unwritten rule for churches or non for profits is have a have a have six months of your budget as an emergency stash. Sure. So so that's what we have in fiat, in dollars, and anything that comes over that six months immediately converted to Bitcoin. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it's always growing. Yes. And what what affected, uh, you know, obviously being in New York, um, COVID affected, you know, meeting together for a period of time. But what did COVID affect giving in your church? You know, that's interesting. It did not at all. In fact, 2020 was our greatest year. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, which is actually alarming, too, because you, at first, I mean, we were we were bracing for impact. We were thinking this is there's no way that we're going to be able to not not get hit by like 30 percent in our finances. And uh, 2020, we it was wonderful and it was the provision of the Lord. But when I say it was alarming also. I just, uh, there was nobody, there was a lot of people complaining about a lot of things except money. Nobody mm. was complaining about money. And mm. that's, I know this isn't a, this isn't something that everybody in every city and every state might say, but it just seems that with our particular group, there, there was just so much money being thrown around. You know, other churches got PPE loans, businesses got PPE loans, this, uh, the, the stimulus after stimulus, uh, so that, there, there was money around. Yeah. Okay. Well, praise the Lord. That worked out. Uh, what, what do you think about the the concept of using a Bitcoin fund for missions? Do you, I don't know if you guys are involved in missions outreaches, but what what do you think? And and I've got a corollary question. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. But do, do you think that Bitcoin could be used for mi- funding missions? Uh, in perpetuity, do you think that's a, a good idea? I think it's a fantastic idea. And that's part of our plan. That's fantastic. Um, yes. You know, I'm a, I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a big believer that in, uh, you, you know, for the Lord to increase, you have to show yourself faithful, not tomorrow, but right away. And so yeah. as the Lord blessed us with the Bitcoin, uh, one of the first things we did was give more money away and we gave away our biggest gift to date a $100,000 one first, you know, as the Lord grew us from 10 to 25 to 50, to be able to give a hundred thousand dollars to another ministry, another church That's fantastic. Their youth program was not just that one of the greatest feelings ever, but we really realized the power that 
God gave us through Bitcoin and what the future holds, the potential to be able to do that, to be able to be like Abraham, to be blessed, to be a blessing and to move through the earth and relieve suffering because you're financially blessed is a very powerful thing. A very That's fantastic. Do you think there's a danger with your church or a, a, a missions couple or team that doesn't have to raise money? Is, is there because you, I don't know that you've, you, you don't have to depend on the Lord. I mean, there is an aspect to raising money where you have to pray about it and you have to depend upon the Lord. I've seen the flip side where when I was a lay missions pastor, missionaries would come home on furlough. And rather than resting for that time on furlough, they were out visiting churches, sometimes halfway across the country. And they didn't really come home to rest. They came home to raise money. Right. Um, so it's kind of a double-edged sword. Is there, will there be complacency when you don't have to trust the Lord to help you raise the money? Is that kind of a weird question? Or That is a brilliant question, Doc. I think that's just absolutely brilliant, very practical. Um, it's something we're dealing with right now. We actually are buying our first building and uh, and can pay for it all in cash. So we're buying a small 6,000 square foot in a small neighborhood in Manhattan before the the property, the forever mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the reality is is we can and uh, we can we can pay for it in full. It's two point one million dollars. We can pay for it in full, but we don't want to. Number one, you know when you when you don't give the people an opportunity to give, because that's what giving really is. It's an opportunity. You're not compelled to. Mm-hmm. You get to. And so we can honestly say, hey, we don't need the money. We're going to be okay. But you may need to give. Giving is beautiful, and we do believe. In the principles of sowing and reaping and seed time and harvest. Um, and then and then the other thing that you said about trusting the Lord and not trusting your Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I think that is a forever tension we're going to have to walk through, especially those of us who got in Bitcoin early with any significant amount. Uh, I have personally, I mean, several times as that number went up and, you know, the number goes up and all of a sudden for many of us, it's the first time your chest is sticking out. You're feeling like Superman. You know, the wind is either. I felt personally just <laughs> lovingly smacked down by the Lord. Say, hey, be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you keep me first. Make sure you're not feeling strong in yourself. Uh, that verse from Deuteronomy 818 comes off into mind where the Lord says, when you've built goodly houses and your silver is multiplied, and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. Take heed that you don't say my might and the power of my hand mm-hmm. has gained me this wealth. But remember the Lord, your God. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like the rich man who was storing up for himself and then decided to take it easy, kick his feet up. And Jesus said, tonight, the Lord's going to demand your soul of you. So it's a, you have to be humble in that. Uh, very interesting. You know, it, it's uh, when I've looked at, you know, the concept of you can't serve two gods, you can't serve God and mammon or money. And I really thought about it. There's really not a lot about fiat money that I want to worship. You know, uh, it. I, I think that we don't really worship money in America. I think we worship things, the things that money can buy. But now with Bitcoin, I see that the reality of that verse and the warning is uh, paramount uh, because you're right. Absolutely. Um, well, that's fantastic. Boyan, what what uh, I mean, it just. If you could lay out a grand vision, if, if you if you were the pastor of a Bitcoin only church 
that everybody gave in Bitcoin and speak about that as well, because um, I know you accept Bitcoin donations, but there's not been a lot of um, a lot in that. But if you were the pastor of like a Bitcoin only church, kind of lay the vision out of what you would like to do and, and see. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is great. I, hey, I would tell my Bitcoin only congregation, uh, love the Lord your God with all your might, your soul, your strength, <laughs> and hold on or huddle on. Get as much as you can. Get it with both hands and use your feet too. And and I would exhort them and say, it looks like right now, without sounding like an alarmist, but with everything that we're dealing with, it looks like there are some really rough times ahead. And you want to be sovereign. You want to be able to be only uh, independent to everything except to the Lord, wholly dependent on him. You don't want to be at anyone else's mercy. You don't want to be at your in, in your employer's mercy and the government's mercy. And I believe the Lord has given us a tool in Bitcoin to truly have sovereignty. What what I have some other questions here, but you've you've spurred me on to another question. I mean, uh, what's it going to take to get and I, I probably asked I think I asked this earlier, but. You know. What will it take to get other pastors in other congregations to see this reality, this this warning of of what's to come? I mean, I think it's I think so it's hard. I, I wish I wish I had great answers. I don't know. You know, sometimes yeah. Yeah. sometimes you feel like you're the crazy one, um, I, especially here in New York City. I have a lot of great, great look. All the pastor friends I have all around the city. These are not they're good men. They're great. men. I love I know their hearts. They love God. They love people. But uh, so personally, compared to them, they would definitely say, hey, boy, you're a little more. Uh, of an alarmist, you're a little more uh, concerned, you know, I just, and I know this isn't what this show is about. I just, you know, to them, I ask, Hey, everything that's happening, what percentage do you believe this is about a virus? That's right. Yeah. So without getting into it too deeply, yeah. do you believe this is 80% about a yeah. virus. Do you believe, and I'm, I'm just at a place where I believe maybe it's 15%, yeah. 20%. If, and so then, then you got to ask, well, why all this other stuff and where is it leading? Where's it going? And what's supposed to be our stand as a Christian? And uh, so I, what would it take? I, I don't know. I hope it, you know, in the Bible, it took, you know, more awakenings after tremor, after tremor, until people's eyes are finally opened. I hope we don't have to see that. Yeah. I'm increasingly getting concerned that that's what it's going to take. No, I, I hear you. I mean, I, I virus aside, it just seems like governments and societies are on a path that just they can't walk back. I mean, there's just they can't walk back where they are. They've got to keep going. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, when. um what what would your what would your thoughts be around you know an app or um you know an exchange where you could buy bitcoin and you maybe had a slider where you could donate 10% of your purchase to a church or or to another charity and on the sale of your bitcoin you could have a slider and you could sell you know 10% or whatever you wanted to um, to a charity or church of your choice. I mean, 
what what do you think about something like that? I know as a pastor, you probably love that idea. So <laughs> yeah, I love, that. <laughs> I love love uh, love anything uh, that that helps and that is automated. Um, you know, <clears throat> I would I think that would be awesome. I mean, I, that's my short answer. Is yeah, I think that would be great. Anything that helps people. Yeah, and I think I think you know the the bitcoin space right now is dominated by uh non-believers secularists secularists uh so that's something that they're probably not going to think of but you know uh there's a bitcoin charity um charity water i think they're actually based in new york and they actually yeah, have is charity water accepting bitcoin yeah and they have oh, a wow. bitcoin only fund that they're not going to cash for at least for it until after the next having. And so you can donate your Bitcoin and you know, it's going to stay in there until the next having. And so they're going to perpetually, perpetually fund part of their ministry, their uh, charity through charity. Uh, I did not Bitcoin. know that. I did yeah. not know that. That is yes. awesome. our hardest to stay. I mean, to keep everything we have until the next having same plan. Interesting. Okay. That's fantastic. I did not know they had that like yeah. that. Awesome. What? Uh, okay. So since I'm asking about that, what what do you think about the concept of you know we've spent we've sent teams around the world when I say we the church teams around the world spreading the gospel building wells water wells building churches do do you think that there would be a role for okay we're going to build the well but we're also going to implant a a bitcoin mining station you know in the middle of you know, Africa that uses solar or wind or whatever to mine Bitcoin. And that way you're not only providing a, a resource, the water, but you're providing a monetary, a monetary good in the form of Bitcoin. So that, cause I, I feel like when I go on missions trips, it, sometimes we just don't have enough to give and you don't want to give them money, but it seems like Bitcoin might solve that problem where you're not really giving them money, but you're giving them the ability to, you know, get out of the the station that they're in with a time delay or a time lock on it or something like that. No, I mean just just the fact that you're using a natural. So it's it's kind of the reverse of taking resources from a land like we do in Africa. You know, we take the re- natural resources and and the populace suffer. But here, you give them a Bitcoin mining rig or rigs, and you're basically paying. It's it's like a it's a form of. Uh, restitution, you know, here's a Bitcoin mining rig. This is going to make money for you and it's yours. You know, I, I don't know. Um, what a clever out of the box idea. That sounds awesome. Okay. Fantastic. Well, great. This has been kind of great bouncing ideas off of you and, and talking back and forth. Do you think there's a role? Do you think there's a role for um, a Christian focused Bible study or course, introductory course to get people, believers down the rabbit hole uh, without it being, you know, uncomfortable for you to kind of say, let's talk about Bitcoin or whatever. Do you do you think there's a role or a need for something like that? I think that it, there, there's not just a role, but an absolute need. It's it's absolutely necessary just because, uh, look, Bitcoin has a. A high level of complexity. It, it took me at least, uh, at least I don't know, 100 hours just to get, have yeah. the, the most basic cursory understanding. Um, and so that it would it would be pivotal and vital. You know, when talking to people, I think I get some of the same same barriers to entry that everyone else gets. Everybody seems to think that it's too late. 
that's the first. Isn't it too late for Bitcoin? Isn't it, you know? And then of course they want to go and uh, go try to find the next Bitcoin and go. Yes. Yep. <laughs> some altcoin or something, and then and then the second the second barrier is the unit value. So they're oh, what is Bitcoin at now? What is it? Forty nine thousand? Well, I don't have forty nine thousand. Well, you can get a tenth of a Bitcoin, and immediately I can just see the eyes kind of glaze over. Well, I don't want a tenth. I want a whole. I want. Yeah, one. yeah. I, I'm I'm wondering if if people who have gotten in early like us, uh, relatively early. I mean, I, I haven't been that early, but relatively early we need to start talking in terms of Satoshi's versus Bitcoin. And yeah. that, that just makes it easier. I, I think uh, strike has done a good job. And I think that uh, the fold app on your phone is, is, is a great way to kind of introduce people to, to Bitcoin as well. You know, I, I posted this quote on, on the Twitter feed this morning. It says the scriptures are shallow enough for a babe to come and drink without fear of drowning and deep enough for theologians to swim in without ever reaching the bottom. And that was St. Jerome. And it seems like Bitcoin's the same way. I mean, it's Bitcoin. You it, there's you can swim around in, in the knowledge of Bitcoin very shallow without ever fear of drowning or getting overwhelmed. But for people who want to go down deeper and deeper, you know, there's there's a lot to explore. Uh, I mean, you can ultimately do the ultimate cave dive with Bitcoin for sure. Um, <laughs> you can go surplunking it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, well, yeah, what what else would you like to share? This has been a fantastic discussion. What uh, what else would you like to share that we haven't talked about? I, I think we, we pretty much covered it all. Um, Maybe next time something else will come up, but uh, this has been an absolute delight. Uh, and what's the best way for people to uh, follow you or, or reach you? What what would Twitter be the best way to to, to reach Twitter, out to you? Twitter and Instagram, sure. Okay, and uh, tell tell the listeners uh, your church web address again and and meeting times and all that. It's City Light Church. City Light, one word. Citylightnyc.com. And uh, prior to the lockdowns, we had uh, six weekend services in Brooklyn, Manhattan, wow. Queens. We've consolidated right now into just Queens, and we're working on purchasing this property in Manhattan. But we're in Astoria, Queens, at 10 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. We chose that just because it's a large facility and people can spread out. Those who feel comfortable can be close together. Others sure. Back and and well, so... Yeah, we were one of the first churches to reopen in New York City. We reopened last August. We uh, were only closed for four months. And uh, the Lord has been uh, visiting us, in a sense, making his presence available and bringing us together. And, and one thing, we just baptized over 70 people just a, just a couple of weeks ago. Wow, that's there fantastic. definitely a hunger in people. The pandemic and the lockdowns have produced a hunger in people like I've never seen before. Okay, so that's a very interesting. I, I've been praying for revival since last summer. Are you seeing the seeds of revival? I believe we're seeing the beginnings of it. Yes, of course, we're hungry for more and we want to see more. But we are seeing an uncommon zeal and an uncommon hunger amongst the unbeliever and an uncommon zeal in our long term members and believers. You know, definitely something's and been awakened. So what's a common theme in, in, in the hunger of an unbeliever? I mean, are they what about the pandemic enlightened them to their need? I, I think, look, they were faced with their own mortality. They were mm. faced with, with all this talk of death. I think it really caused a lot of people to realize I'm a, I have an infinite spirit, but there's, I have a finite amount of time here. 
And that, and also without starting, without sounding too kooky or weird, I think some people just could tell something was up, something, something important, something very consequential was happening and they were just vibrating on the right frequency. And so we had people with a Buddhist background. We had people who were all secular human and all sorts of different backgrounds who, who came to me and just said, I just knew something was up. And so yeah. I'm here. I'm here to check you out, too. Very good. Wow. You know, it, it kind of it's infuriating, but there was a, a a dating app match. They I think it's match, but they were running commercials where they had this giant devil creature and this this lady that were matching up on match. And they were basically making fun of 2020 as as being this this year that the devil kind of intervened and created havoc. And um, there's no question, even non-believers in a joking way, we'll say that, you know, the devil was running amok in 2020 and, and um, yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's, uh, why don't we close our time with some prayer and um, I'll pray for your body and, and um, yeah, this has been just such a great, great conversation. Yeah. Sounds great. Lord, thank you so much for this time with uh, Boyan and uh, Lord, I pray for your grace, your mercy, your peace to be upon him. Lord, I pray for his body city light. Uh, thank you. He, he has uh, mentored and pastored and shepherded um, faithfully. And I pray that you would bless him abundantly uh, for his uh, stewardship of your gospel, Lord. Uh, we trust you in all things. And uh, we thank you. We, we thank you for Bitcoin. And um, but we thank you for your son, Jesus, and his death on the cross for our sins, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray for Patrick that your hand would be upon him and the mission that you've entrusted him with. Lord, may his voice go far and wide. May he be able to penetrate people with the gospel and the truth of the gospel and also this blessing of Bitcoin that you have given us. Father, thank you for this ministry that you've given him in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much. Wonderful talking to you. Thanks, man. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you would leave a review, that would be fantastic as well. Peace.